Hello, welcome to another episode of the Rookie in the Vet podcast. We are actually doing this podcast out of studio today. So we're sitting in front of three computer screens. I'm, it's kind of weird, Nick, not having you in studio with me, man. Yeah, this is definitely different, but it's cool. So we'll touch on some good stuff today. So we have an exciting guest. This gentleman, uh, his name is Todd Mitchum, and he's one of, we were talking about this off camera, he is one of the two people that really inspired me probably the most when it comes to my career in the event industry and, and just learning about getting to the next level in that event industry. He has coached, I can't even tell you, probably thousands of entertainers and thousands of people in the corporate world about this uh, concept that he has called the use it mentality, which I really hope we can get into a little bit today. But also, Todd is on with us today to kind of help us continue this conversation about overcoming obstacles and, and dealing with things that happen in your life that affect you a lot of times, both personally and professionally. Todd had an incident happen to him some years ago that I'm going to let him share because I know he'll tell it much better than I will. And I think, Nick, you will relate to this a lot. So this might be a good topic for you guys to talk about together a little bit. And then maybe after that, we'll get into the use it stuff. So without further ado, Mr. Todd Mitchum, I'd love to welcome you onto the podcast and tell our listeners a little bit about your background, if you would. Hello, and thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Wow, it's cool to be talking to you. Thank you for saying all that great stuff. Yeah, so I, I started out in DJing and MC performing back in kind of the early 90s. And I went, you know, talk about just taking a risk. I had these ideas in my head. I'd been DJing for about a year out of high school, maybe two years. I just had these ideas about what I thought like an interactive sort of comedy DJ, MC, entertainer kind of a show could be. And uh, my whole life, I've really, you know, I get an idea and I just, I have to do it because I feel like life's too short to not do it. You know what I mean? Very good. Um, so, I, so I took it on and, um, and there was a lot of doubt and a lot of fear, but I, I drove from my hometown all the way up to Chicago and just took a risk. And we can talk more about it, but I basically got this job where I was going to build a comedy show at the age of 23, 24. I'd never really built anything like that. I had, I had just done it on my own and it turned out that, that show concept, it was called comedy. You can dance to it lasted, you know, I left after five years, the show went on for 20 years. So it, it worked and it just shows you that you can kind of go get anything if you want it. Um, and then I went from entertainment. I, I kept entertaining for years. I went to Universal Studios and worked in Florida on stage. I opened City Walk and Islands of Adventure with entertainment and shows and comedy you can dance to. We were on stage for Mardi Gras every night. We did audience warm up. I got to meet celebrities and do really cool warm up for celebrities and bands. And, and it, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine about it today and he said, what's so great about what you do as a performer is your job is to change the state of others. You know, so I used to say this in Chicago, I would say, our whole point is that these people get to forget about how bad their life is for a night. You know, we, we are changing their state. We're changing their energy. And so, so I did that through Florida, went to LA, had a huge company there, and just kept continuing to perform and speak. The first time I actually spoke in front of an audience, which launched into my speaking career, was actually for a mobile DJ conference. It was Mobile Beat in 2001. I think I was there. <laughs> and I were 1,100 people in the room. I walked in on fire. I mean, I was so cocky and such a jerk. <laughs> but uh, but the, the messages were good, you know, and the learning was good. And 
And so I did that for a couple of years and then I got into corporate that I kind of got found by a company that does corporate leadership development. They liked that I could handle myself in front of a large audience. So the entertainment value came into the corporate value, you know, the corporate space and I got to teach leadership and I got to, for 10 years, I learned and kind of honed my craft around coaching and leadership and corporate America and et cetera. That ended in 2013 when I went into the cannabis industry and built companies. So I built, you know, four, three or four companies to success there. And it's kind of funny, it's all come full circle now. So I've done that since 2013. I've now left that industry and decided, you know, it was great. You know, one of these things when you start conquering things and you find success, then you find that you sort of want to go back to what you really love. You know, you can chase money, you can chase opportunity that way. But after a minute, you start to grab that opportunity and be successful. And then you start asking yourself a question late in the game, which is, now what? Now what am I going to do? The question I should have been asking myself when I joined that industry was, if I hit all these targets that I have in my head, then what? Then what am I going to do? But instead of saying, then what? I found myself going, now what? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah. so now I find myself going back to entertainment. So I'm, I'm putting... We're putting our group back together for comedy you can dance to. We're taking it back out. We're going to do stuff in, you know, and and conferences and corporate events and theme parks and things like that. So I've come full circle and I have a whole different appreciation for being in front of the audience. You know, I and I also do keynote speeches and stuff like that, which is awesome. So I, I'm I'm doing lots of things and and frankly, that's how I like to live. I can't I can't do one thing. Yeah, I think as an entrepreneur, we all kind of have that bug where, right. you, you know, you can't sit still for very long. And I love what you said about taking people from whatever's going on in their lives and kind of just taking them away from that. I remember recently, several times, probably over the last couple of years, people have asked me, you know, what do you love most about DJing? And my honest answer was always, I love being able to take a room full of people and remove them from their everyday mundane, sometimes boring, sometimes frustrating. You know, some people even have a great life, let's be honest, but yeah. kind of taking them away from that normal everyday life and just for three or four hours or four or five hours, let your hair down, have fun, be yourself and just have a good time with it. And one of the things, David, that uh, I've noticed just from being at some events, um, especially some of your events, is you can, the energy is like, palpable like you can you can really feel the energy change and it's absolutely incredible like you go from completely subdued to just amazing energy so yeah i think what does drake say zero to 100 real quick yeah (laughs) yeah you know what's awesome about that too guys and i I love that you said that david and and you're both right that i i don't think entertainers famous entertainers get it but i don't think like entertainers at every level of the spectrum get it you know, guys who go out and host a great wedding, they don't understand really because it becomes so habitual. They don't, they do it over and over and over weekend after weekend. They forget that, man, they are changing everyone's reality and they forget that. And if you lose that, if you forget that what, you know, how many, look, I'll just tell everybody who's listening, who's not in the, or who's in the DJ business, or maybe they're a performer, maybe there's something else. I've spent a lot of time in corporate America dealing with corporations and guiding leaders. And I'm telling you, the number of people that are actually fulfilled in that world, are it's a fraction. I mean, it's, it's a tiny, tiny percentage. Why? Because they're not doing anything that can't be replaced by some other drone doing the same thing. And it drives them crazy. 
Yeah. You know, so when you are in a job or you have a career path where you get to step in a room, pick up a microphone and change people's state of mind and change their energy and help them in their life, forget something or improve their life in some way, you're giving back to the world in a far greater sense than anyone who's just, you know, checking the numbers on another spreadsheet. I mean, not to say those jobs aren't important, but to the person doing them, they don't feel, they don't feel like they're making a difference. And that's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I think we talk a lot about how, when we do training and things like that, we talk about how public speaking, there's always been this statistic about public speaking being the number one fear of America and the biggest challenge. And, you right. know, I think about how many people are in that room when you're up there on stage with that microphone in hand, confident, carrying them to the place you want them to go to, whether that's the heighten of excitement, whether that's laughing their heads off, right. or whether that's really dialing them in and really them getting them focused on whatever it is they, they need to be focused on at that moment in time think about how many people are sitting in that room looking at you and whether they're verbalizing it or whether they're thinking it saying, I could never do what that guy is doing. That's an important thing that I think anybody who does what we do needs to think about. Absolutely. I mean, you can say the same thing, David, for even like the podcast that we're doing. You know what I mean? How many people are afraid yes. to mess up or, or, or be heard in a way that, you know, isn't, you know, ideal. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, what you just said is so right. I mean, I do a podcast too. My wife does one for, for women and empowerment. And when people ask me, they're like, oh, how, how are you able to do a podcast? I'm like, I don't know. I just did it. Like I just sat right. down and took the risk because yeah. I'm in a room by myself. I don't care. You know, people right. are going to listen or they aren't, but I'm going to go and voice it and go for it. I mean, you're right. I think, I think you just hit that right on the head. I think it's a very, that's a very important uh, point, Todd, because I know me and Nick talked about doing this for a while. I've been talking about doing a podcast for probably two or three years in the, the fear that I had to overcome, which I really, when I look at it, I think it's dumb, is that I kept saying to myself, who's going to want to listen to what I have to say? Who's going <laughs> to yeah, hear what right. I have to say? Yeah. And you're not going to sound perfect all the time. I think that was the biggest fear for me is like, oh, you know, I'm going to stumble and stutter. And, you know, sometimes I just completely trail off. But the point is like you're doing it. I think that's the most important thing and you are providing some value somewhere to someone. Well, there's always somebody who's, you know, if you have, if you know, it's like I used to say when, you know, in my early days of performing, if it's me on stage and one person in the audience, I'm making a difference. Exactly. You know, if, they're, if they're entertained, I'm making a difference. So if you do a podcast and five people listen religiously every week, you're making a difference for five people. And five people can can go and have a better situation, you know. And and you're right, you know, we're so obsessed with perfection now in our culture. And you know, it's like I can't put up an Instagram post unless I change three filters and take 19 versions and it's like, come on, man, just be real, you know, just be authentic with me. Like you're not going to get it right. You know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that was that was one one thing that I've I've honestly had to overcome as well was I'm in videography primarily in Instagram's big for us for the visuals and it's like I'm just in my head like, oh my gosh, this isn't I can't post this. This isn't gonna it's like just post it. You know what I mean? Like we're so obsessed with being perfect and like perfect to what? Like what's the standard? You know what I mean? Like so it's definitely important to kind of take a step back. And, I love that you said standard. Whose standard are we measured against? Right? I mean who? Who, who's the judge? You know, I don't know. 50,000 people in one direction or 100,000 people in another. I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, look at Twitter. Like you can be on Twitter and it can blow you in the wind. I gave up Twitter because I was like, this is a nightmare. You know, I, it's like I can't I can't say something benign. I'm being judged by someone. You right. Know? It's great. 
You guys, we are just getting started with our conversation with Todd Mitchum. I have a feeling this is going to be a phenomenal podcast and, and probably multiple episodes without a doubt. So hang on to your seats because we're going to have some good stuff. We'll be right back with you. You're listening to the Rookie in the Bed podcast. we are back with the rookie in the vet podcast and off camera todd and i were actually talking about uh, some accidents that we had both been in for our yeah. listeners if they hadn't known uh, i was actually in an accident back in when i was in college at the florida gulf coast university and I was hit by a car uh, while I was jogging on campus. Uh, and Todd, I'll kind of let you talk a little bit about uh, your story and, and your action. Yeah, I mean, yours was, sounds more painful. Um, but I, I was sitting at a red light in my car uh, back in 2007, and a woman was trying to manipulate her phone. And back then, if you tried to text someone, it took like, you know, 10 minutes because, you know, you had the keypad and you had to punch the keypad in, you know, A, you know, to get a capital A, you had to hit it three times, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I was sitting just dead stop, just waiting for the light to turn green. I didn't even see her coming and she didn't look up and she hit me between 50 and 55 miles an hour, oh, dead wow. center in the back of my car, launched my car 126 feet, skidding through, and my feet were still on the brake. It, it, it skidded 126 feet. So you can imagine she had a big Ford Expedition and I had a, four, or I had a Toyota 4Runner and I slid down an embankment and kind of gently stopped at the base of a tree. And I remember when I, when I looked down at the clock, it was like 9.01. And then I look up again and it's 9.08. So I was just lights out, you know, just done. You know? So mm. and then everything else, my memory is just flashes of light and flashes of people and someone trying to talk to me. It's like a photo album in my head. And, and I, had a, I had a severe closed head injury at the time, I was at kind of a peak. I had moved into the corporate world. And so I was speaking, I was traveling around the world. You know, I was doing things for Microsoft, for Starbucks, for these massive companies. And I was at a peak performance as a speaker, as a performer. And I couldn't even go in public for the first, you know, few months. The first two weeks after that accident, I would go into public and have a panic attack. So here's a guy that like performed for a living and speaks to large audiences. I couldn't walk into a store. I would just, I would freak out. I just, my, everything would overload. And I don't know if you had a head injury, but I had, I had less outwardly physical damage. I had a lot of brain trauma. I had a uh, closed head injury that was pretty massive. And, and it was so bad that the first couple months, the doctor said to me, he goes, he goes, you may want to think, think about a different career. You know, you may want to think about doing something else because, you know, this may come back. It may not. It may not fully come back. I was like, what am I hearing? I mean, it got so bad that at one point I thought to myself, well, maybe I could, you know, sell stuff on eBay. You know, I could be one of those guys. You know, and I was like, <laughs> I actually researched it and thought about it. But instead, what I did is I decided, you know, that's not my spirit. That's not who I am. So I... You know, I just kind of hunkered down and I did a lot of brain training stuff and stuff that would just give me migraines for days. I had a buddy of mine that later equated it to like breaking a leg or spraining an arm or, you know, your muscles kind of have to be reworked and it hurts like hell. 
same thing with your brain. You know, you can get a brain injury, a closed head injury, and, and you're just, you suffer through it. But if you don't get comfortable with being uncomfortable, you can't push through it. And so I was just every day working at it, working at it. the first speech I gave, and there's a lot more to the story, but I'll let you guys ask questions. But the first speech I gave about six, six months later, I walked on stage. We were in Puerto Rico. I did this like several hour presentation. I walk off stage. The guy who, one of the guys who worked for me, I said, Hey, how did I do? And there were a lot, there were like a thousand people in the room. He goes, he goes, man, he goes, you did a great job. You got a standing ovation. I go, I don't remember a word I just said. I couldn't tell you two words I said. He goes, well, you killed it. So it did two things. One, I was still a little concerned because I wasn't back in myself, within myself. But I felt really a sense of empowerment because I had, a, I had something to celebrate. And that's the way it is when you're an entrepreneur, when you go through a trauma or you're trying to overcome an obstacle, you got to celebrate some things along the path. If you're just waiting for some big celebration at the end, it's never as exciting as you think it's going to be. It's when you celebrate each little step, you know. Yeah, I think so, it's I, mean, a very I don't good. know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you had physical injuries, but it's the same thing where you have to overcome a physical injury. It's small steps. Yeah. So I mean, when I got hit by that car, that girl was also texting. Ironically, um, yeah. it always seems to be like the common denominator. It's such a common thing now. Yeah. I phys contrary to your story, I actually sustained um, outwardly like wrist injuries. I had a compound fracture in my wrist, and my um, my wrist was actually like really just destroyed. So it was a physical type of injury where it's still, like you said, the muscles and stuff still had to, but there was still adversity. You know, I, I had to pull myself out of school. You know, I, I stopped going to school. I came back home from FGCU back to uh, St. Augustine. So different types of traumas, but adversity, you know what I mean? Like I had to completely reset and it was like a time for me to kind of reevaluate my life and then go in a direction where, you know, I, I wanted to go in per se. I don't know if you looked at it this way, Nick, but I did. I, I said to myself, if I'm still here, then I must be here for a reason. I got to do something with this. You know, I can't just, I can't just be sedentary and end my life like this. You know, yeah, I can't. Absolutely. And my doctor, I'll never forget. He told me, he was like, you were inches away from death. Like I, I yeah. like a couple more inches over you, your, my head would have hit the, hit the windshield and I would have went through the windshield and I, I wouldn't be here. So I completely agree with like that sentiment. Like I, I definitely need to be, I have a new, I had a new appreciation for life after he told me that. And like, yeah. I definitely don't live my life the same way. Well, when, when people go through stuff like that, like I did and like you did, and I mean, look, anybody listening has probably yeah. been through something traumatic as well, whether it's death of someone they care about or personal injury, or they've had a financial peril. I mean, we've all had that in, in entrepreneurship, you know, I, whatever they've gone through, either it strengthens them or it destroys them, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, how many people do you know that, that have been destroyed by something? They're alive in the sense that they're breathing. Yeah. Right. But they're not really, they're not really functioning. They're not really doing anything anymore. They've been right. destroyed. You know, they're yeah. alive, so to speak, but for other they're people, you know, they're yeah, quite, yeah, they're not quote unquote alive. You know, they're not right. really living. Yeah. And so you can take an adversity, you know, any adversity and realize it's not a definition of who you have to be forever. It's just where you are today. And your strength is improved because now you can, you can overcome things. You know in yourself, if you sprain an ankle tomorrow running, you're not going to obsess about it. You're going to go, I, I mean, look, I, if I can fix my wrist, I can get better from almost being killed. I can get over this stupid ankle thing. Right. You know, a lot of people don't think that way and they really should because if they're breathing, they got more living to do. Right. Yeah. So.
I think both of you guys really just listening to your stories is amazing to me because while they're different, they're still similar. And the, the commonality of them is both of you understanding and, and realizing that along the journey, there are small successes that you can add up to a larger success. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in wanting to get to the end of the road and don't take time to appreciate, learn from, and be okay with the steps that take us to that, whatever that end of the road is for, for that particular individual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something my wife and I say all the time. She talks about this with groups of women where she'll say, if you want to be something more, you got to get used to being uncomfortable. You know, if you want to become something else or overcome something, not everything's going to be perfect every day. You know, it just isn't, it just isn't, you know, and I know David, you're big on fitness. You know, if you want to be, if you, if you are overweight by 40 pounds today and you want to lose those 40 pounds and be in peak shape, you're not going to do that tomorrow. You're going to start that tomorrow and, or you're going to start that today. And then it's going to be slowly, you know, incremental change is how you get something to last. If you try to do sudden change, it doesn't always last. But if you're like, I'm going to lose that 40 pounds in 12 months, more likely you're going to sustain that, but it's going to be uncomfortable. I mean, you're going to want sugar and you're going to want the cakes and the, and you're going to want to sit on your butt all day and not go to the gym. Like you're just going to want to do that. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be sore. You know, I have a friend that works at Universal Studios still down in Florida. And I think he lost something. I want to say it was like 130 pounds over the course of a couple of years. He was that much overweight. Now he gets up every day. I, I follow him on Instagram. He is running four to seven miles a day. He's part of a group of guys that have all lost over a hundred pounds and they are running like marathons, but they, it took them years to lose all that weight. And they just decided I'm not going to die like this. You know, I'm going to, but they were uncomfortable a lot. And that's the point when you're overcoming an obstacle, I don't care if it's in business or personal or health or whatever it is, you're going to be uncomfortable on that journey. It's just inevitable. And if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not really pushing anyway. So you're probably not going to really achieve what you want. So you're going to have to be uncomfortable a little bit. And that's just, that's just the nature of, of opportunity and obstacle and overcoming these things, I think. Yeah, that's the absolute truth. Um, I've noticed that in my own recovery, but also in my business now, in starting to venture into videography, that in the past six months to a year, it's, I've, it's the most uncomfortable I've been ever because there, there's always new adversities, there's new things that, you're, that I'm, I've never had to experience before that like I, I just wouldn't, like most people wouldn't, like I know my friends and like they're like, oh, you know, I don't wanna, I have a couple friends that are, you know, also in videography and you know, they're, they're afraid to take the leap and it's like, you have to be uncomfortable. It's like, it's a part of the growing process for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and, you'll be, and you have to be uncomfortable with being, or be comfortable with being judged. Yeah. You're going to get judged. Yes. You're going to get judged for doing it. You're, you know, your friends that aren't capable of doing it are going to want to keep you where you are. Right. You know, other people who don't understand what you're doing are going to ridicule you. I mean, the internet's filled with people who yeah. think they know everything about everybody. You know, they think they know better. And so they just give constant critique from the safety of their computer and, and you know, right. and they're changing the world by telling you how stupid you are. You know, it's just, it's, it's idiotic. And, and if they just put half that effort into actually doing something, you know, they'd be way more happy than, than, than instead of just tearing everyone else down. 
Guys, you're listening to the Rookie and the Vet podcast. Stay tuned next week when we come back with talk more with Todd Mitchum. And Todd, we're going to start off next week with uh, kind of addressing that point in your life where you found yourself saying, you know what, enough is enough. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to fix these things that have held me back since Mm. this accident and maybe help the listeners with some ideas of how they can, uh, you know, address those same issues and, and tips and suggestions for them. So we'll, we'll be back with Todd Mitchum. Thank you for listening to the Rookie in the Bed podcast. <laughs>